Blog Talk Radio. Chicago's Black Business Network exists to assist you, the individual business owner, in your efforts to reach the next level of service and growth. We have some powerful resources in Chicago. Open the door to opportunity at chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com. Enter. There is no charge. At chicagosblackbusinessnetwork.com, we are here to network. Are you? Join us today and touch the world. Hundreds of members are waiting to connect. Chicago's Black Business Network is dedicated to the legacy of the late Mayor Harold Washington. Let us not forget his service to the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Welcome to Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com on Blog Talk Radio for Tuesday, the ninth day of Black History Month, 2010. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of CBBN and your host for this evening's show. CBBN on Blog Talk Radio is a promotional tool for the members of Chicago's BlackBusinessNetwork.com. It's another marketing tool that enables our members to share their products and their services with you, the Blog Talk Radio audience in the world. Currently, our organization has close to 600 members, and we're growing stronger every day. We invite each of you, each and every one of you, to join us and touch the world. That was Boise Queen at the top of the show with Our Love is Here to Stay. Everybody who listens to this show knows I love me some Boise Queen. He is a top-notch pianist and composer, and you should call him uh, for all of your event needs, all your musical needs. He's on our site. Tonight's segment is Jobs, Training, and Services for Youth. Jobs, Training, and Services for Youth has become a major and ongoing part for CBBN. It is also part of our ongoing theme for CBBN on Blog Talk Radio nationwide. Please join us in this campaign by providing any information you have on training and jobs for youth. We thank you in advance for calling us at 312-239-8835. That's my number. And sharing this information with us. That's if you are involved or if you know anyone who is involved in servicing youth, please have them call us. We want to bring them on the show. We want to get this information out. That is what we do. Everybody knows, everybody knows, everyone who listens to our show knows that Chicago's Black Business Network.com and CBBN on Blog Talk Radio are both dedicated to the memory of Harold Washington, the first black mayor of Chicago, our first black mayor of Chicago. It is our way of giving respect to Mr. Washington's memory and keeping his name and contributions on the minds and in the hearts of our fellow Chicagoans. First of all, what we want to do, we want to thank our guests from last week's show. We did a special show for Minister Rahim on Friday a.m. at 10 a.m. Minister Rahim's time schedule did not permit him to be here on Tuesday or Thursday evenings. But when he came over and joined CDBN this week, we took a look at all that he does for our community, and we felt obligated and honored to share that information with our listeners. You can listen to that interview in the archives. As a matter of fact, he's given some great hits in the archives. And uh, it, it was a good show, good show. We're going to have him back repeatedly as well as Dr. Webb, his associate, uh, who's been out there in the community for over 50 years working. We want to invite each and every one of you in the Chicagoland area or passing through the Chicagoland area to go over to the Everything Black Retail Store. Minister Rahim is one of the co-owners. The Everything Black retail store is located at 2447 East 79th Street in Chicago, 2447 East 79th Street in Chicago. Their telephone number is 773-721-2392, 773-721-2392. They're open 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday, Sunday 10 to 3, people have to rest, and closed on Monday. For more information, 773-721-2392. The Everything Black Retail Store, every product sold in this store is produced and distributed by an African-American. Every product in this store is produced and distributed by an African-American. I'm looking at their brochure right now, and I'm going to tell you some of the items that they have. Body washes, body lotions, air fresheners all manufactured and distributed by black people. Liquid dish detergent, pine scented disinfectant, shea butter, roll-on deodorant, uh, shea butter body soaps. That's just some of the things. Liquid laundry detergent, which is one of their biggest items. Uh, this formula was produced and patented by African American. And three little caps, you know, if you hold your thumb and your forefinger together and make a little hole, three little caps will wash a load. Go, stop by and see them. Everything Black Retail Store, 2447 East 79th Street. Also available self-esteem books, tapes, videos, Black Conscious tapes, videos, 
and CDs. We talk about supporting black business, black businesses and black business owners. Now we're taking it back another level, and the term we use a lot here, follow the money to the black distributor and the black manufacturer and the black inventor, and that's how we do it. Tell them you heard it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to mention this event that Minister Raheem is having, a Black Heritage Banquet, Saturday, February, February 20th. I'm going to fast, 2010. That's Saturday, February 20th, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the Prince Hall Banquet Room, which is 809 East 42nd Place, 42nd and Cottage Grove in Chicago. This is their third annual Black Heritage Community Activist Award ceremony. So stop by and uh, say hello to them from us. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Network.com on Blog Talk Radio for Tuesday, February 9th, 2010. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of CBBN. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you'd like to speak to our guest. Our guest for this evening is also a CBBN member, but most importantly, he and his family are those who don't just talk about uh, what they're going to do. They take the time and the talent and the energy and they contribute it to the community. There is a group on our website called Positively Black where you can only discuss the good things in the community or the po- positive accomplishments that you've made. And that is where people like Mo Forte fits. Mo, Mo Forte currently serves as Executive, di- Executive Director for Honor Roll All-Stars. Since 2003, Honor Roll All-Stars has been making a difference in the lives of our young people. Entrepreneurship training, professional mentoring programs, positive role models. That is what you see on the back of his business card. But we're going to ask Mr. Forte this evening, what does, that all, what does all of that mean? And we're going to ask him to share that, that with us and define what does that mean. Mr. Forte, I'm going to welcome you to the show. How are you this evening? I'm fine. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that you're here. Glad that you're here. Let's see. I, you know, I don't know. We talked a little bit this afternoon, and I really don't know where to start. So I'm going to start just, 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 just a little bit. Tell us briefly about Mo. I looked at your biography quite long, but I want you to tell us a little, tell us a little bit about you, and then we're going to. Uh, we're going to go in and talk about the Honor Roll All-Stars, but we want our listeners to know who you are. Okay. Uh, wow. I, I guess uh, the question for me would be where would I start? Uh, well, I'm originally from Ida B. Wells, 39th and King Drive. Moved from there to Harvey, Illinois, where I was uh, raised. I graduated from Thornton Township High School, was an honor student, athlete, Went on to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, um, where I was a Dean's List student, graduated with honors there, moved back to the Chicago area, taught for a few years, and then I moved to Los Angeles for 11 years where I worked uh, in the film and music industry. Left L.A., came back to Chicago to help out the community that I came from, in terms of uh, helping the youth, that's uh, that's that's the Reader's Digest version. That's the Reader's Digest version. That's good. That's good. Um, sometimes they say we have short attention spans, and you know, you get it out there. You get it out there. I want to um, say, a, you know, a couple of things about when you say it, your community. Where are you located? Where is Honor Roll All Stars located in Chicago? Uh, our physical address is 22nd and Michigan, so we're in the South Loop, uh, not far from the Ickes, uh housing projects, which they're currently um, demolishing, but we're about a block away from the McCormick Place as well, so we're in between uh, those two different things. But uh, our services travel all around the Chicagoland area because a lot of the things that we do are mobile, so 
Uh, if we have a car and gas money, we'll be there and we'll work. When you say that your services are mobile, give us an example of a mobile service to the community. What is it that you're doing for the, in the community? Okay, uh, one of the things that we do through a partnership with uh, Kismet Family Services is we do a Big Brother, Big Sister mentoring program. With the Big Brother, Big Sister mentoring plan program, what we do is our mentors will go out to the young people's homes and we'll pick them up and we'll take them different places and uh, experience and expose them to different things. And what we like to, we like to say we're not McDonald's mentors, where we don't come and we pick the kids up and every trip that we take them to is to McDonald's or Burger King to get something to eat. Uh, our outings with the youth are more cultural, more educational. Uh, you'll see us at the library. You'll see us at the DuSable Museum and different things of that nature because they can go to McDonald's in the same neighborhoods that they come from, but a lot of them don't experience a lot of the things that our mentors do. So our lives and our experiences are the things that we have to offer to them. So we pick them up, remove them from their immediate surroundings, and not only physically introduce them to a new world, but intellectually and emotionally. How many children does your organization usually work with within the Let's say let's use the last year's example. How many children did you service in uh, 2009? Uh, in 2009, through the various programs that we had, we serviced over 350 youth uh, in Chicago. But that is inclusive of our Big Brother Big Sister program, and uh, what well, we we have a program called Artistic Expressions. And the Artistic Expressions program, we we go to different schools, community centers, churches, and we teach the young people writing, uh, graphic design, and T-shirt manufacturing. So we traveled around uh, the, from Markham to Austin and everywhere in between uh, working with youth uh, from Austin Town Hall to Brooks Academy um, to the Markham uh, part township. So we, we travel all around and we serviced uh, over 350 kids. So this is the official Big Brother, Big Sister program that we always hear about, but a different aspect of it, or is it the same? Just the, well, uh, overall, do they do the same thing? The, there's two different components. The first component is the Big Brother, Big Sister, and that's where we pick them up, and it's more of a one-on-one -on -one or uh, one mentor, two, three kids, but we deal with very small numbers as far as mentor-to-youth ratio. With the Artistic Expressions programs, we'll have one mentor and we'll have up to 15 to 20 kids. With the Artistic, with the Big Brother, Big Sister, it's more of a character-building uh, curriculum that we have, but with the Artistic Expressions program, it's more of an entrepreneurship training. We use the writing as a tool to show them if you write poetry, don't just do it for fun. Write a book, publish it, and sell it. If you like to draw, don't just draw. Do graphic design. Become an artist. Don't be a drawer. Be an artist. Take your art, put it on a T-shirt, and sell it. So the Artistic Expressions Program is geared more towards taking the hobbies that the youth have turning them into businesses, viable businesses, where they can see uh, a return on their investment, not just their financial investment, but their investment of time as well as their talents. Tell our listeners, uh, give them your telephone number and your website, and we're going to repeat it again because during shows I like to repeat that information uh, because everyone doesn't have their little pen ready all the time. So tell, them, uh, tell our listeners your website and your telephone number. Okay, uh, our web address is hrallstars.org, and our phone number is 708-748-4477. Now, I, I, I thought about one thing as, we, as I was looking through your bio. This is Sonia Perdue, and you listen to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. Our guest this evening is Mo Forte, currently, ser currently serving as Executive Director 
of Honor Roll All-Stars, and our theme tonight is jobs, training, and service programs for youth, and he fits right into that. One thing that came to my mind, we throw this word mentoring around a lot and the, and the term role model around a lot, and we know uh, for a fact I saw that you used the word good role models because we know that children have all types of role models. Define for us, for our listeners, um, when you look at when you look to bring someone into your mentoring program, what are you looking for? Okay, now are, are you speaking about the mentors or uh, the youth? No, the the mentors themselves. What is a good role model? What's what's your definition of it? Because you have to be defining it if you're going to present it. What's your definition of a good role model? Okay. Um, well, our definition of a good role model is one who leads by example. Anybody can talk about doing things, and anybody can, you know, gripe about having problems, but a good role model is one who identifies those problems, identifies them quickly, and then start to work towards finding solutions to those problems as opposed to spending hours pondering or repeating the fact that there is a problem. Our mentors also uh, have to pass a background check. So um, they're not only responsible adults, but they're responsible citizens as well. And then thirdly, they have to have uh, adequate transportation with insurance. So um, lead by example, be responsible, pass the background check, and have insurance. Those are uh, the core qualifications. Now, that will get you in the door with us, but that may not keep you around because after that comes performance and results. So you can be the most responsible person in the world, but if you're not producing the desired results of the program, then it just may not be, it's not a slight to you as a person, but it just may not be a good fit for you. I got you. Tell me this. Um, you indicated you were somewhere between the Ickes and McCormick Place. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tearing those projects down. Uh, I'm not sure what the economic makeup is around there. I know that we're building some other houses. There's a whole lot of buildings going on down there. I'm not sure what income level they um, include. But I want to create a, create a scenario for you. Um, 14-year-old female, single-parent home, uh, good grades, not in trouble, but you know you haven't been a 14-year-old female. I have very vulnerable age. (laughs) Uh, I could go either way. Uh, I can go with that group. I can go to that group. I'm trying to make up my mind which way I'm going. I'm leaning toward the wrong group or what we would perceive as the wrong group. Um, Based on your experience, what is actually going to make the difference in the direction that I choose? Um, it just in, in our personal experience, what what makes you lean more towards us is the fact that a lot of people say they care, but they don't show they care. It's it's uh it's kind of like the scenario where uh, the wife says, "You never tell me you love me," and he says, "Well, I get up and I go to work every day, so shouldn't that tell you that I love you?" Sometimes they, sometimes the way you show it isn't the way they receive it, so. You know, sometimes you have to be a little more vocal and you have to be a little more obvious with the concern and the caring that you have for a lot of youth. And then the second part is is perception of success. And per, uh, Because a lot of kids would look and see uh, a drug dealer and they'd see his car and jewelry and they would think he's a successful person. Well, what makes that drug dealer more successful than the police officer that arrested you. So any a, a gainfully employed individual that's uh, a good part of society in our eyes is successful. So we have to change what the perception of success is and once they buy into that perception of success, because it used to be you could be a doctor, lawyer, or anything you wanted to be, and then slowly and gradually it started to uh, take away doctor and take away lawyer and take away teacher and those things didn't become cool. 
So once you make those things cool and exciting to them, you don't have to sell them on being there. They'll want to be there. And when they want to be there, you'll get better results from them. So we don't, we don't try to uh, solicit and we don't try to uh, court youth and, and, and convince them that they should be with us. We present our information to them. We present our results. We present our staff. And if they want to be there, then they're welcome. Okay. I um that that comes to my mind. I had a guest on and similar question, we were talking about the, the the state of mind of the black community, have we lost our mind? That was the topic of the show. Now she felt that the difference was because someone argued, well, the FBI coming our neighborhood sell drugs, they always want want to use that one and this happened, it's racism, and that happens. And my question is repeatedly, well, uh, the FBI came in the neighborhood and sold drugs uh, to people, and they sold drugs to the people in the community. So what about that group over there that didn't matter drugs? What about them? No one wants to talk about them. And she felt that it was because they did not have a – it depends on their support system – but they all pretty much got the same support system. Almost, not exactly, single family living in the projects. And that's just an example because I grew up in that environment too. Almost the same type of choices. Uh, not exactly because everyone doesn't have the same parents. Everyone doesn't have the same perception. That starts very young and that type of thing. But she felt like it was more about the support system where we know, and I and your experience, I've worked with children, but your experience is more vast than mine, that the support system doesn't necessarily constitute what the person is going to turn out to be. You know families with middle-class mother and fathers working, educated, and the child goes to the left, if we want to call it to the left. Maybe not all the lives, but go to the left, go to jail, all those type of things, okay? So I don't know if it's a depend if it's who's in the home or who's not in the home or if it's more an individual choice what do you think i don't i don't think it's necessarily um i will say i do think it is a support system thing and it's not it's not always who's in the home but it's what the people in the home are doing and what is important to the people in the home. There were a lot of really great people that were produced from single-parent homes, uh, and there were a lot of not-so-savory people that were produced from families who had both parents in the home. It's just a matter of if you have a, a parent at home who's physically, mentally uh, abusive, that's not really a good relationship just because that parent is in the home. So, but at some point, I think that that youth is responsible for the decisions that they make. And, and it's kind of a catch-22 situation because you can't get something out of a person that you don't put into that person. So you cannot not prepare this person for life and then thrust them onto, you know, the stage called life and expect them to perform very well. It's just, you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, in my years in the entertainment industry, they had a saying that you perform like you practice. So if you didn't practice something, you shouldn't try it in a show. And that's kind of how life is. If you don't prepare these children for success, it's almost impossible for them to achieve success. And it's not the school systems per se, um, because if your child starts kindergarten and doesn't know how to uh, read his name, then the teacher is already behind the eight ball, but then you as a, a parent may come in and say, well, the teacher is not doing their job, when in reality you didn't do your job as that child support system in preparing them for kindergarten. They don't start learning when they go to school. They start learning when they start breathing. So the support systems, I think, are very invaluable and very important to a child's growth and development. Does that make sense? It makes a whole lot of sense. It's, it's a whole lot of variables in it. It's not one mm -hmm. thing. It's a lot of things. Right. And, and, and it's, uh, it's, go ahead. 
No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say it, it's not it's not a right and a wrong. Uh, it when it's a matter of perception because I I can give my opinion, but I can't say that her opinion was wrong because that's her perception of reality. But every every situation you go into, a lot of times when we uh, as adults deal with youth or people in general, we tend to categorize them and put them into groups, and we don't look at a lot of these youth as individuals. And a lot of people have short attention spans, so when you talk to some some of these youth and they say, "Well, I came from this kind of family," you already start you already start to size them up, and you don't look at their individual case as something that is it may not be unique to you, but it's unique to them. So you have to find a way to one make them feel like they're special, and but without coddling, we don't we don't like to hold hands and we don't babysit, and you know we don't pacify the youth that we work with. We don't give them excuses. We don't make excuses for them, but we put demands and expectations on them. Now, when we do that, we're willing to assist you in any way possible, but we're not willing to do it for you. And a lot of times people confuse assistance with doing it for me. And once they once they start to realize things on their own, those are the lessons that stick with them for life as opposed to the things that you tell them. Let's, uh, now, you grew up in the Ickies. No, I, I, grew, up up in, in, I grew up in No, you grew up Wells. in Ida B. Wells. Yeah, and Harvard. I grew up in Wentworth Garden. Now, tell me what made, you went to, you graduated from Southern Illinois, um, degree in communications, right, specialized? Specialty theater, correct? Correct, correct. Okay. Uh, went to Hollywood, worked the comedy circuit, uh, produced videos. Uh, I went away to Southern, SIU as well. Uh, had a semi-successful life. I'm doing okay. I'm breathing. I can eat. So I'm fine with me. I'm fine with it. What made the difference for for you, Mo? Well, I think I was, I've was i always been a little bit different than most of the people that I, I was around and most of the people that I knew. You know, of course, there were similarities, um, but there were a lot of differences. One difference in, in me that I noticed early on is that when people would see the glass half empty, I would see the glass as half full. And when I would see, you know, growing up in Ida B. Wells and, and some things in Harvey that you saw, you know, it wasn't the best environments, but I had a decision to make. Do I want to be like that person or do I want to be the opposite of that person? And I always looked at things as a as a cop-out. I think um, being a drug dealer is a cop-out. And I think being uh, a vagrant. I think some of those things that people say, oh, well, I have all of these burdens in life, I think it's a cop-out. And they weren't willing to step up to the challenge that life presented to them. And that was one difference with me. Whenever a challenge would present itself, I was ready to take it on. And either I'm going to win or I'm going to lose. But if I lose, I'm not going to lose because I didn't try. And that was one of the things that my father uh, instilled in us, that, you know, you can do anything you want to do. You can be anybody that you want to be, but the choice is yours to make. It's not, you know, the teacher can't pick an occupation for you and your parents can't choose a job for you. You know, those are things that that you'll eventually have to pick yourself. So it, it was just my, I think, ability and my willingness to say, well, I don't want to do that and I don't want to be that. I'm, I'm 41 years old and I've never... Uh, I've never smoked weed. I've never taken any drugs. I've never had a drink in my life. And when I tell people this, it, it kind of baffles them, and a lot of people don't believe me. But whether they believe me or not, it's still the truth. And I did those things because my mind, in my opinion, is one of my most valuable assets. So why would I pollute my mind and my body, which are the things that, you know, get me up in the morning and make me do the things that I want to do. 
And uh, people do find it hard to believe, but I know people who have never smoked, have never drank. I'm not going to say I want them, but, uh, and they have, and they, and they, they never needed it for whatever reason. Not that they were never exposed to it. They were exposed to it just like everyone else, grew up around it just like everyone else, but that they're different. That makes, that makes them different. Uh, but it is, it's more of them than we think. Everybody doesn't drink, smoke, do drugs, and that type of thing. Uh, people do make different choices. You're listening to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Sonia Purdue. Mo Forte, Executive Director of Honor Roll All-Stars, is our guest this evening. Mo, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And uh, we made this show for an hour. We know we could probably do two. But we made this show for an hour because we're going to have you back and maybe with a conference with some other people who service you so we can continue this dialogue in the future. But what we're going to do is we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and uh, just a few more questions, Mo. I thank you for being here this evening. No problem. We support organizations like Partners in Community Building, Inc., as they contribute to building up our communities by enriching the lives of others. Partners in Community Building is a nonprofit organization, and there is no charge for their services. PICB is a HUD-certified counseling agency, and here are just a few of the services available to you in the Chicagoland area. Foreclosure prevention, there is no charge for this service. Winterization, who doesn't need their home winterized. CETA Energy Assistance and Furnace Programs. Even if you are paying your electric and gas bill on time, you may still qualify for assistance from CETA. Home Ownership Counseling is available as well as Rental Assistance Referrals. Partners in Community Building is located at 3424 South State Street in Chicago. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, Contact PICB at 312-328-0873. Call 312-328-0873 for all of your housing needs. Ms. Bobby Ball is the Executive Director of Partners in Community Building, Inc. Tell her you heard about it on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. We're back, and you're listening to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Sonia Purdue, your host for this evening. We're not going to take any calls this evening because this is only a a one-hour show. Mo Forte, Executive Director of Honor Roll All-Stars, is our guest this evening, and I want to give him this time. Uh, Before I go back to him, though, I want to tell uh, tell our listening audience, audience that Partners in Community Building, Inc. is having a housing fair scheduled for Wednesday, February 17th, that's not this Wednesday, next Wednesday, from noon to 7.30 p.m. This fair will be held in the offices of South Street Journal at 449 East 35th Street. For additional information and to schedule an appointment, contact Partners in Community Building at 312-328-0873, for all of your housing needs. We're going to go back to our guest. Mo, welcome back to the show. Now, um, do you have any events coming up or any special uh, services that you'd like our, our audience to know about? I think I should bring you back on the air first. Let me, it's a block. Okay. We're having a technical. We're having a technical. Okay, <laughs> Mo, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. What you got going on at Island Road All-Stars? You got any upcoming events or any special things you have going on that you'd like our listeners to know about? Well, we don't, uh, we don't have any uh, physical events, but we're, also, we're always selling T-shirts on our website, which is uh, hrallstars.org, and that's how – that's one way we stay in business is by selling uh, products that we create. Uh, and through some of our members, we were able to create a bunch of fabulous designs, and they're for sale uh, on our website, and that's 24-7, or you can make a donation. But that right now, we're really, really in the fundraising mode. We kind of got caught in the middle of a lot of, you know, state budget things and, and things of that nature. So we were determined to keep 
our business open, and this is one of the ways that we can do it is by selling our T-shirts. So that's something that's always available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I will post that link on our blog talk radio page. That's one of the things that I need to do. I need to post a video from Sex Preacher last week. You know, um, time management is something interesting. Are you teaching time management? You're teaching them time management, Mo? Because it is something. It is something to learn. <laughs> yes, we do. Time management, I think, actually is one of the biggest downfalls of uh, procrastination and and poor time management. Is one of the biggest downfalls that a lot of our students have because they have to. Students today aren't like they were, you know, back in the day. They they still have the same problems and they still have the same issues, but it's just um, they're not prepared to deal with a lot of them. So the, the, the better you can manage your time, the more successful you'll be. What is the uh, – I had a conversation with someone. What is the greatest fear – of our young people. Are your children mostly teenagers? What's, what's the age range for the people that you service? We we service from 8 to 22. And wow. our biggest, the biggest bulk of our clients or uh, kids that we mentor are between the ages of 12 and 18. That's our biggest group. And uh, as far as the biggest fear thing, I think collectively it would be being successful. Uh, a lot of times we go into, when we go to some of the schools that we work in, the kids will kind of sink back into the chairs and they and they just really don't want to be noticed. Because if you notice them, you may ask them to do something. And if you ask them to do something, it's not that they're not good at it because we find a lot of youth who are very good at certain things, but it's something about the responsibility that comes along with being successful, the work that goes into not only getting there but staying there that really, really intimidates uh, a lot of our young people. So I I don't understand it. It never intimidated me, but uh, (laughs) it it is really a big fear that – and then a lot of them don't want to be looked at as being lame. That's that's the word, lame. This is lame and that's lame. They want to be cool so bad that they're willing to throw their lives out of the window for the sake of being cool right now. And is cool a euphorism for acceptance? Is that all that it is? Yeah, yeah. A lot, and a lot of them, uh, you know, you'll see them pick on other, you know, uh, children just to kind of fit in with this certain crowd, and and in reality, you know, we've seen it happen before. But we're adults, and we know that those uh, youth that are getting picked on, and those youth that are getting good grades, and those youth that are excelling, uh, will probably be your boss in ten or fifteen years. Absolutely. You know? So Absolutely. it's uh, I, I when I was in high school. My friends were popular, smart, intelligent. Not all of them were honor roll students, but, you know, we didn't pick on people to lift ourselves up. We we, we lifted ourselves up in other ways. And now it's, it's all about really breaking other people down as a, because if I can break you down, then I don't have to rise up to have you beneath me. And it, it, it's really uh, a destructive mentality, in my opinion. It is. I find it's been a long time since I taught, really long time. I'm thinking about it, but I'm not sure about that, Mo. But um, I talked eighth grade way, way back. And what I feel, what I still feel is that Adult leadership, teaching is not easy. It's a difficult job. If you do it well, if you have do it, it's easy. If you do it well, it's a difficult job. Discipline is not easy. Um, 
But I found from from the experience, and I also taught at the collegiate level, 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, I find that they know what genuine is, number one, in adults, in anybody. And that's what they're attracted to. Number two, the more you give, and you and you tell me, the more they'll take. Um, you have all these programs. You have these options for them. Uh, no matter what they say about the children, I never speak in absolutes about teenagers, children, adults, whoever it may be. There are no absolutes. Because I find that the more you give, you walk into a situation, however rough it may be, however rough they may be, if you're giving, they're taking. If you're teaching, they're learning. And it's not easy. It's easier to let them go. And I found that being in the Chicago public school system. It's an easier job to let them go. It's difficult to stay on top of them all the time. You tell me what your position, because you taught yourself. Yeah, I I, uh, I I totally agree with that. Um, a lot of people don't get attached. The students are just a product, it, you know, and they're like a client. And teaching is real. Teaching used to be a passion, and teaching used to be something that people really cared about. And now it's a job. And and I kind of remember when I was when I was coming out of college, and they were saying, "Well, we have a shortage of teachers, and you didn't need." Uh, to be a certified teacher, to be a classroom teacher. All you needed was a degree. You could take some college courses and you could teach a class. And there, there's a reason they give degrees in teaching. They uh, you learn how to teach. I had a degree in communications, which taught me how to effectively communicate with people, but not necessarily how to teach them. And there's a world of difference. So when you started putting a lot of these adults into classroom situations who weren't prepared for a classroom setting, that's when it became really easy to walk away because this is just a job. And if I don't come back here tomorrow, I can go find me another job somewhere else. I just got this job to pay my student loans off. You know, I, I would hear a lot of that conversation going on, uh, and this was 20 years ago. Now, fast forward 20 years to, you know, present day, and a lot of collateral damage is, you know, is here because of the mentality and the mindset of people 20 years ago. Now, when you would find the guy who ran the boys' club, and, and there was just this one particular kid, and he just wouldn't give up on him and wouldn't give up on him, even when this kid would give up on him. You know, you still have those stories now, but they're too far and few in between. So the ones who – what do you do with the ones who get sacrificed and they just kind of, you know, toss them to the wolves and, and they say, hey, well, you know, I can let that one go because there will be another kid in my classroom next year. So you as a, as, a, as a student, there are always more students than teachers. So the teachers feel like the children become more expendable. And I, I would always advise parents to be friendly with your children's teacher because if you're entrusting your child's education and, and essentially your child's future with this person, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, a lot of parents, they come to the school and they want to fight, and they want to fight, and they want to fight, and that's the only time you see them is when they're there and they, you know, they want to cuss out the teacher and they want to cuss out the principal and it's cool and they come back and say, I curse them out. But at the point that teacher becomes your enemy, how well do you think they're going to educate your child? I would not put my, hand, my kids in the hands of my enemy and say, teach them. And... And that essentially is is what happens to uh, what happened to a lot of young people. You know, I, I have two young boys, and, and we teach them at home. And when my son started school, he started school, uh, and he knows he does. You know, he's not proficient in reading and writing. 
but he is aware of what it is, and he knows how to do it to a certain degree. And he not only knows how to do it, he's excited when it's time for him to do it. So uh, me having been in the position where people would send me their kids totally unprepared, I would be remiss to send my kids into the world the same way. Or any kid or any kids that are left uh in my care. You know, I don't I, I play with them a little bit as much as possible, but I don't you know, I don't I don't babysit a whole lot. If you gonna hang out with me, you're gonna learn something. I got you. That's, Excuse my that's, bad English. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but and and it's a you know, I've my my two and three year old have been standing by me this this entire uh, conversation and they they go to mentoring things that we do and they go to events that we do and we're and they're exposed at an early age so they know what work is and they know when daddy is working and when daddy is not and when they have playtime and and it's really it, it's really difficult to keep a lot of two and three year olds uh, quiet for an hour. It's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult. Mo, I want you to, uh, we're going to close out the show. We got like five minutes. You see how fast to go. We should have did a three-hour show. You know it. But that's okay. We'll do another one. <laughs> we'll bring you back again, Mo. Tell us, uh, tell our listeners once again where they can find you. Uh, you can find us online at uh, HR allstars with an s dot org and our phone number is 708-748-4477 and once again uh remember that you can always go to our website purchase some t-shirts that the kids designed uh we do our own design uh printing and the whole night it's a one-stop shop and 100 percent of the proceeds go towards keeping that program in existence, so there um we volunteer all of our uh laborers as mentors, and a hundred percent of those proceeds go towards keeping that program in existence. Mr. Forte, I want to thank you for joining us this evening. We play these shows uh these shows are in our archive, and we play our shows repeatedly. We will certain certainly keep putting your information out there. That's what we do for our members. Come over and see us more often on CBBN. I'll see you on Facebook, Mr. Forte. Appreciate you very much. You have a great evening. All right. You too, and I look forward to being on again. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. You're listening to you're listening to CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host for the evening, Sonia Perdue. That was Mo Forte, Executive Director of Honor Roll All-Stars. We love it when the people, the folks who work with the children come on. It's a hard job, people. It's a hard job. Just want to tell you that uh, Black Wall Street Chicago's Economic Summit, number 11, is February 27th at the Holman Square, 3333 West Arlington in Chicago. And we want you to come over there and, and join us, people, for that event. You can reach them, uh, Black Wall Street Chicago, 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351. We also, uh, I'll be at Coffee Break Cafe tomorrow morning between 9.30 a.m. and between 7.30 and 9.30 a.m. Uh, the weather's bad in Chicago. I know it's early. Come over, support the business, 10307 South Hall in Chicago, right by the Metro Station. We've got to support our small community businesses, people. We can't let our businesses close up. We can't let them fall by the wayside. If I don't see you tomorrow morning, I may see you over at Partners in Community Building Wednesday which is tomorrow, 1 to 5. I'm over there helping them. We're getting ready for the housing fair on the 17th of this month. People, we appreciate you. We hope to see you Thursday for Black Wall Street USA. I'm Sonia Perdue. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to close out with Boise Queen tenderly. <laughs>